0: Thanks, guys. It's beautiful. So on the 22nd of December in 2008, I kissed and hugged my wife and family goodbye, and I boarded a plane to the Middle East. After a two-day trip around the world, I arrived at my new home. It was nestled in the beautiful white sand landscape of northern Iraq in a city called Kirkuk, on Christmas Eve of all days. Well, that night, our commander had decided to throw a base-wide Christmas party in the newly constructed dining facility. So we all gathered together to eat lobster and steak. Seriously? They sent us lobster in Iraq for Christmas Eve. Um, We got to see our commander dress up as Santa Claus. We got to sing karaoke Christmas carols. We were having a great time. But then a couple hours into the party, I heard for the first time the bittersweet sound of the rocket attack sirens. So we all jumped to the ground and took cover under our tables, and then we heard and felt a resounding boom. Immediately, the lights went out. We were surrounded by darkness, the kind of darkness in which you can't see your hand in front of your face. You see, the rocket had struck our base power generator, which was only about 100 feet from where we were. And then a few minutes later, the sirens once again began to sound. Boom! This one was a lot closer. It couldn't have been more than 50 feet away. They're getting closer, we thought. Over the next two hours, rockets continued to rain down on us. And you need to understand that this was not normal, by any means. This was far from normal. This base had never been attacked so many times in one day, let alone in one night. And it was not a mere coincidence that this was happening on Christmas Eve. The enemy knew what day it was, and they wanted to disrupt our celebration. This was quite literally an attack on Christmas. A year later, as I celebrated Christmas Eve in Texas, I couldn't help but reflect on what I had experienced the year prior. It's natural. A year later, while I was now in the safe confines, safe borders of the United States, I was free from rocket attacks. I was still in the war zone. As I walked around the mall, I remember seeing people scramble to buy last-minute Christmas presents. And I remember arrogantly thinking to myself, there are soldiers and airmen and marines scrambling for their lives right now. And here you are scrambling for presents. I remember watching friends and family laugh, drink delicious eggnog, without a care in the world, while I self-righteously thought, you have no idea what's going on in the world. Have you forgotten that we're a nation at war? I was in a dark place. Do you see what had happened? I was still under attack. I was still in a war zone. But this war zone was not in Iraq. This war zone was in my fallen and broken, sinful heart. The same enemy was still attacking me, but he was using now vastly different weapons of war that were just as deadly I forgot that I was living in a spiritual war. So I didn't hear the sirens. And since I didn't hear the sirens, I didn't jump for cover. And since I didn't jump for cover, the enemy nailed me with a rocket with the words self-righteousness printed on the side. And I know that I'm not alone in my forgetfulness. Each one of us forgets that we live in a very real spiritual war especially in the United States, where our lives are often safe and secure and comfortable. Praise God for that. We so often forget about the enemy, though. We fail to hear the sirens, we fail to take cover, and we leave ourselves exposed to his attacks. And our forgetfulness in and of itself is evidence that we are, in fact, under attack. The works of the devil are very deceptive and very crafty. And he uses our forgetfulness to lure us into an open field where no cover can be found, where we're all alone, where we think we're safe, where we're vulnerable for attack. Brothers and sisters, it is my prayer that this passage tonight will act as a siren in our hearts, that you will hear the inspired words of the Apostle John that you will realize that you are, in fact, in a very real and very dangerous spiritual war zone. And once you realize that you are in this war zone, I pray that you jump for cover under the only shelter that can save you from the power of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, move in our midst this evening. We pray that your Holy Spirit will use the preaching of your word to sound the sirens in our hearts, to wake us up to the reality of the war zone, that we will take cover in Christ, for he alone is our hope, for he alone paid the penalty for our sin. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so throughout the two hours that we were under attack, while I was crouched under my table... While rockets rained down on us that Christmas Eve, I had a lot lot of time to think. It's amazing how fast your mind can wander when you're in a situation like that for two full hours. But primarily, my mind kept asking three questions, and that's what we're going to cover tonight. The first question my mind asked, why is this happening? I just got here. I haven't even unpacked my bags yet. This is my first meal, and while it's great... Thanks to the lobster, USA, we, I, am brand new. Why is this happening? When you look around at the world, when you read the daily news headlines, the inescapable reality of pain and death and injustice are always before us. Did you know that of the 196 countries in the world, 65 of them are presently at war? Mass shootings have become a common occurrence. Human trafficking is forcing thousands of people into slavery each year. And nearly 50% of the world's population lives on less than $2.50 a day. That's three, over 3 billion people in poverty. When you see all this, you can't help but ask, why is this happening? Or when you look at your daily heart headlines, you're confronted with another painful reality. I'm broken, I'm lonely, I'm depressed, I'm angry all the time. My body's breaking down, my family's fighting again, my guilt is crushing me. Why is this happening? Why are we still in a war zone? What did Christ accomplish through his incarnation? Why do we celebrate Christmas? In verse 8 of our passage this evening, the Apostle John is very gracious and he explicitly answers this question for us. He says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, Jesus Christ was born to go to war with the power of sin. He willingly entered our fallen world, took on flesh, became fully human to absolutely destroy the condemning grip of sin. He entered the war zone as our warrior and defeated God's greatest foe. And he won. He won. We as Christians must live in this reality. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the fatal blow was landed. The decisive battle is over. Satan's been defeated. Then why is Satan still roaming around like a roaring lion? Why is the serpent still slithering, causing chaos and destruction? Why didn't God just end the war 2,000 years ago? Why is the world still a war zone? First off, we must understand that although the war is won, the decisive battle is over, the war continues. Why the war is not over? Ultimately, only God knows that. And that's very frustrating for us. I can vouch for that. But this is a time for our trust in God to be tested. This is a time for our trust in the goodness and sovereignty of God to truly be put to the test. This is where our courage, in the midst of sanctifying suffering, is refined in the fire. And this is where our willingness to reflect Christ's radical, self-giving love to those who hate us is demonstrated. We can rest assured that since Christ won the decisive battle, the doom of the devil is sure. He cannot win this war. He's on the run. He's bleeding out. But since Satan knows he can't win this war, he's angry. And he wants to, and he is going to continue to cause as much havoc and destruction on the world as he can before Christ's triumphant return because he knows it's coming. So while we wait in the war zone, we, the church, are called to shine the light of Christ into the darkness. And through our union with Christ, we are empowered by his spirit to faithfully face the power of sin straight on with courage. You see, Satan was not only defeated by Christ on the cross. Satan is also being presently defeated by Christ in and through you. This is your war. The second thought that came to my mind was, why am I afraid? Why am I afraid? See, after the third rocket attack, I remembered something really important. The building we were in was brand new, and it was specifically designed to withstand any and all rocket attacks. I was literally in the safest building on the entire base. There's nowhere else I would want to be than right here in this building. There was a two-foot shield made of concrete and steel two-foot deep shield that covered the whole roof from top to the ground. It was absolutely indestructible. I was safe. I had nothing to fear. In verse 1 of our passage, the Apostle John reminds us of something of absolute importance. And since he doesn't want his readers to miss this truth, he begins with the Greek word, edu. This is an emphatic word, And it means see, or look, or behold. What John is doing by using this word is he's telling us to stop. To stop here, to slow down, to slam on our brakes. Because what he's about to say is of utter importance. He wants us to pull out our microscopes and study his next words. He wants us to wonder at them, to be marveled at them, to meditate on them. Let's read. He writes, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And so we are. We have not only been called children of God, but we are children of God. Now, present tense. if we only grasp the depths of our Father's love for us, this war zone wouldn't be as frightening. Because of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, the Almighty, the Holy, the infinite God of the universe, looks at you and I and says, "I love you, for you're my son. I love you for you're my daughter." Marvel at this. Marvel at this this Christmas season. Marvel at how great God loves you. This is love beyond measure. This is love so undeserved. Love so profound that you are called children of God now. To those who may be thinking, how can this be? Why would God love me? I'm wretched. I've sinned too much. You have no idea what I've done. I'm unredeemable. No, my friends. Don't believe this lie. You are redeemable. And through faith in Christ, you have nothing to fear. The apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, And you who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. In this line, I want you to get this. If your ears aren't on, turn them on now. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So where's your record of debt? All your sins, past, present, future, all of them were nailed to the cross. This is a beautiful verse. The sins you've forgotten, the sins you so desperately want to forget, all of it was nailed to the cross. And by nailing your sins to the cross, Christ landed the decisive blow that took the only weapon that Satan had out of his hands. You see, Satan could no longer go into the courtroom of God and say, look at this record of debt. He's guilty. Look at all these sins. He's mine. To this, God the Father triumphantly replies, no, he's mine. His sins are forgiven. His record of debt is gone because my son bore them all while he hung on a cross. This is unbelievable. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Through faith in Christ, Satan has no power over you anymore because your record of debt is gone. You're forgiven perfectly, permanently, entirely. Brothers and sisters, if you are united to Christ, why are you afraid? In the words of Paul, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received, you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Will the attacks continue? Absolutely. We're in a war zone. I want you to never forget that we're in a war zone. But when you take cover in Christ. You're safe because you're a child of God. No more condemnation. No more bondage. You're free. Christmas is a time for us to remember this incredible truth. That Jesus was born so that we would be reborn as children of God. the final thought that came to my mind, will these attacks ever stop? How long am I going to be trapped under this table? How long am I going to be surrounded by pain and screaming and death? How long until these attacks finally end? Throughout the Old Testament, the phrase, how long, O Lord, is used repeatedly. In the Psalms alone, the phrase is used 15 times. Psalm 6.3, my soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Psalm 90.13, return, O Lord, how long? When you reflect on what Christ accomplished in the state of our fallen war zone that we live in, David's prayer becomes our own this Christmas season. How long, O Lord? How long? You see, Christmas is not only a time for us to remember that Christ was born to go to war with the devil. It is not only a time for us to remember that Christ won the war when he died on a cross. And it is not only a time for us to remember that we are sons and daughters of God now through faith in Christ. Christmas is also a time for us to yearn for the age to come. For our ultimate hope. When Jesus returns in glory to renew everything. When God's justice will be fully manifested in creation. When Satan will be finally vanquished and thrown into the fire. When our perishable bodies become imperishable. When mortality becomes immortality. In verse 2, John writes, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. One day we'll be like Jesus. One day we'll see him face to face. One day we'll experience the Father's love in an unfathomable way. One day there will be no war, there will be no pain, there will be no mass shootings, there will be no poverty, there will be no sin. There will be no death. But until that glorious day, take cover in Christ. Take cover in Christ at work. Take cover in Christ in your home. Take cover in Christ when you're with family and friends this holiday season. Take cover in Christ when you're full of joy and when you're full of sorrow. Take cover in Christ when you feel loved and when you feel alone. Take cover in Christ when you're fighting the darkness and when the darkness is scratching at your door. Take cover in Christ always for you're a child of God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, love, that you love us so dearly that you would send us your only Son, to become fully man, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to be resurrected, to ascend to glory so that we might be called children of God. We pray that we will remember these things this holiday season, that we will remember that we're in a war zone, that we will remember that we need to take cover in Christ. We thank you for this church, for this season. And through Jesus' name we pray. Amen.